Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break podcast. Hi, welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. I'm your host, Kathleen Guire. I've been doing a series on three reasons your child is not listening and what to do about them. The reason I'm doing this series is because I sent out a survey to my email list and on Trauma-Informed Parenting Support Group, which you can join. I'll link that in the show notes. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, what is one of your biggest struggles right now? And one respondent said, Here's the question. I do have the question right here. When it comes to parenting or working with kiddos with a trauma history or capital letter syndrome, what's your biggest struggle? Now, just to remind you, um, in the introductory episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting, I talked about what capital letter syndromes are. ADD, ADHD, FAS, FASD, anxiety, being on the spectrum. So it's just a broad term to cover all of those instead of listing all of them, dyslexia, SPD, you know, like I could go on for an hour. So that's just a broad term to represent all of those. And here was the answer. So to the biggest struggle, are they listening? And then she said, repeat, repeat, repeat. And I totally understand that because I kind of, I don't know, I lived there in that that revolving door of are they listening and just repeating myself, which is really the definition of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's Albert Einstein. So I'm totally raising my hand here. I lived in insanity land for years. Because I was trying what I knew about parenting, which was traditional parenting. I was using it over and over and over again, and it wasn't working. And in traditional parenting, when I was growing up, if an adult said something to you, you better hop to it and you better listen right away. And I couldn't understand why my children... We're not. And to be, to be clear, there are many capital letter syndromes in my family, including myself. 
So we are a family of capital letter syndromes. So that's one reason they weren't listening. It was can't, not won't. Remember that often with kiddos who have experienced trauma or have a capital letter syndrome, it's that they can't listen. When we are thinking it's defiance, they're not listening because they're being defiant. That's not it. It's they can't. They literally can't. And I've used this example in my workshops, and um, Ryan and Kayla North, who were my Empowered to Connect trainers, used this example when they were training us. If you are in a room, let's just pick something like kids' church, and a parent brings in a child in a wheelchair, you're going to jump up and make all of the accommodations that you can make so that child can get in the door, they feel comfortable, there's a place for them to be able to see everything that's going on and participate. But when a child comes in the door with a trauma history because of the things he's lived through or a capital letter syndrome, which is also a trauma, you can't see that. It's not on their t-shirt at least not usually on their t-shirt, <laughs> then how do you make accommodations for them? And what if they're not listening to instructions and it's required that they listen to instructions? My kiddo has gotten into trouble. <laughs> I'm just using kids' church as an example. In kids' church all the time because they couldn't follow instructions. And I'm saying that word, they couldn't. They couldn't. They were in sensory overload, so they, they could not function. They could not listen. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, just to make that point, it's, it's can't, not won't. So we have to be aware of those things. I, I, let me finish that story about the child who comes in a wheelchair. Well, the child that doesn't come in in a wheelchair but still has a trauma history or a capital letter syndrome, they're, they also have a need to have accommodations made for them. Maybe they need noise-reducing headphones or maybe they don't even need to be in kids' church at all. And I'm not saying anything bad against any kids' church or any um, kids' pastor or anything like that. That's not what this is about. This is about the child and how they can regulate, and what kind of help that they need to regulate, to listen, to learn. Often my kids would come home from kids' church and not have learned the scripture or the lesson or anything because it was so overwhelming for them. All they could do was cope. So, I have covered... On the last two podcasts, I talked about two of the three conditions that contribute to your child not listening. I'm just going to say the word contribute because there could be other factors going on. And some of these might seem oversimplistic, but they're really not if you really just dig down deep into it. Number one, the normal routine has changed. I talked about that. I know, it sounds so elementary, like it, that can't possibly be true. Well, I can think about myself, and flexibility is not one of my strong suits. And if the schedule changes, 
It does throw me for a loop. Now, I do not fall down on the floor and have a fit. I might want to, but I don't. But if your child has a trauma history and or a capital letter syndrome, because they can, it can be both, habits help us regulate and use less brain power. And schedules are comforting for children. So if there's a change in the schedule, even if it's a good change, that can contribute to your child not listening. So you have to be more patient. And you have to be the one who takes the, I would just say the brunt of it. Don't expect your child to be able to regulate and to listen if there's a huge schedule change or even a minor one. Um, number two, I'm just going over these briefly since I've already talked about them. She is in survival mode. When a child is in survival mode, fight, flight, or freeze, she can't listen, not won't listen. So we have to consider that. And often what we need to do is what I just talked about a few seconds ago is to arrange and change the environment to suit the child. Does that work? You better believe it's work. Is it worth it? Well, it's kind of like choose your heart. Do you want to arrange the environment, which may mean physically leaving the place that you are in or taking the child a little further away, maybe in a corner and giving them a snack and a drink? Or do you want to have that child be dysregulated and have meltdowns for the next two hours? So choose your heart. And I'm not trying to be hard on you, but really, you know, you're living it. You're living it on a daily basis. And if you want to make more connection and you want your child's brain to grow new neural pathways of safety and connection then you know what you need to choose as often as you can. I know the, it's not perfect. None of these are just like, here's the formula. Apply this formula. This is not geometry. I loved geometry because it made sense and it was like, here's a proof. I'm going to prove this. It's going to work. I'm going to use these formulas. And, it's, and it, listening is not like that. Um, and what well, I'm going to get to number three, but I wanted to just give you this little suggestion, which I think I've said before is like, try using a wake word with your child when they are not in the middle of melting down on the floor, but before that, when you know that they're getting sensory overload and they're in fight, flight, or freeze, such as their name and pause and even though the respondent to the survey said, repeat, 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 well, yeah, sometimes you do have to repeat. You just say their name and not raising your voice in anger or volume. It's just say their, their name, John. Get closer to them, John. Get down on their level, John, until you see their mind engage. And then you give the instructive or directive in less than 8 to 12 words, like keep it very short because you don't want to overwhelm an already overwhelmed child with a lecture. 
All right, so let me get to number three. And this one may sound the most elementary of them all. She may not be listening because she is hungry, tired, or thirsty. You're like, oh yeah, that's too simple. No, it, it really isn't. We've all seen those commercials about being hangry, yeah? And we've all dealt with that ourselves. Um, I know my husband, I'm taking a sip of my coffee here. I'm batching podcasts today, so it's like one, so I can keep the flow going and remember what I'm talking about. It makes it easier that way. But then I also like need drinks, coffee, and water. So I was giving the example of my husband when he is home, he's off for the day. He gets so involved in projects and he's like, oh my goodness, I haven't eaten anything. I really need to eat something. I'm really hungry. And I have that same thing. I do the same thing. I'll just be like, oh, I'm doing this and then this and then this. And like, I realize I haven't eaten all day. So adults do it too. But there's one important thing to remember. A child with a trauma history or capital letter syndrome, they often don't recognize their body's own need for water, food, or the need to go to the bathroom. So if their needs were a cell phone, it would be on silent. If you can remember that little word picture, that little visual in your mind, like if, if their needs were a cell phone, it's on silent. They're not getting any messages. It's not pinging. It's not saying, you're hungry, you're tired, you're thirsty, you have to go to the bathroom. No, it's on mute. They're not hearing it. And so in turn, they're not hearing you. They're not listening to you because instinctively, they know something's wrong, like something's off. They don't know what it is, but something's off. So that kind of clears up because we wonder why would a slightly dehydrated, hungry child who has to pee won't listen. Now we know. To a body that needs nourishment, hydration, and a bathroom break, listening to a request or command doesn't compute. And I've used that example over and over again that I wrote about and how to have peace when your kids are in chaos. And you can get a free chapter, um, why traditional parenting doesn't work and what does work on the website, traumainformedparenting.com. But I use that computer programming example. You know, we think logical. If X is this, then blah, blah, blah is going to happen. Well, for a kiddo who's had trauma or a capital letter syndrome, the if-then can go like a million different directions. And often it's just like a loose wire. Like, you know, you, a neural pathway has to connect. It's got to connect to something. And if it doesn't connect to something, then it, it goes into the if-then statement. If-then, and then that's it. If-then, then there's a million combinations or no combination, no answer. Shutdown, meltdown, doesn't compute. So we have to remember that. 
And I was talking to my hubby about the topic of this not listening kind of thing. And he reminded me that one of our kiddos who missed a lot of that co-regulation phase of their of her life, and I know Dr. Dan Siegel calls it didactic regulation, and I know I say, say co-regulation, but I think that you're already familiar that what I mean is that you are regulating for the child because they are not able to regulate yet, just in case you missed that. Um, so she used to not recognize her body's own need to go to the bathroom. And that's pretty common in kids that have a capital letter syndrome or who have experienced trauma. They're so busy trying to be alive that those, those messages are on mute. They're not getting through. It's, it, it was as if her body was screaming, go to the bathroom. And her mind phone was on silent. Then when her body was engaged in something else, her body had no capacity to hold it any longer. So it was released. Do you think that a child who cannot listen to her own body can listen to a command? I think that's a good way to think about it. Or a child who is hungry, tired, or thirsty can listen. In neurotypical situations, this is normal. Like a child who's hungry, tired, and thirsty. They can't listen. I mean, I remember that one of my kids, it was like always right after lunch. And it was her nap time. And I remember one day a friend was over. And this particular child, like as soon as lunch was over, I said, you know, it's, it's nap time. And she just fell on the ground and had a fit. And my friend looked down at her and said, you know, thank you for pointing out the fact that you really do need a nap. <laughs> and she was joking, but it was true. It was like she couldn't listen. Like she wasn't going to say, okay, I'm going to go to my bedroom now. Now I did have a child who did that. So, you know, you've got all kinds of varieties. No child is exactly alike. Even if they have the same capital letter syndrome or the same trauma, that doesn't mean their body interprets it the same way. So I want to point that out. Well, I want to finish this up with this. Um, I was out for running errands one day with one of my daughters and my granddaughters, and we went to Target. We had already been to several stores, and this particular Target had a Starbucks in it. So we were like, okay, we need a coffee we got ourselves coffees and we got ourselves, uh, we got the kiddos some snacks, muffins and things like that. And we were, because my daughters are my daughters, we're always talking about trauma or regulation or um, how kiddos develop. And we just always talk about that kind of stuff. And she had mentioned to me like, you know, how many moms will go run errands all day and expect their kiddos to regulate, even neurotypical kiddos who can't regulate that long. And then after you've been out for two or three hours, instead of saying, oh, mom needs a coffee, so you need a snack and a drink, then you hear them saying, you're getting on my last nerve. Or, you know, oh, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody because, you know, we've all done that. Or, you know, this is we have to go to two more stores, you better behave. Or if you go to, if you can make it through a one more store, then I'll buy you this. 
I'll reward you. But I'm telling you what, you know, that's an, it's a nice thing to reward your kids. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that they cannot suddenly regulate because there's this reward out in the future when they can't even listen to their own body signals. So just keep that in mind. Be practical about it. I'm not giving you some theory that just I read in a book somewhere. I've lived it. I've tried it. I've I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And with kiddos, you've got to figure out what works with that particular child. But if he's not listening, then maybe go through this list of three things of why they may not be listening. They might be tired, hungry. They may not recognize their body's own signals. They might be in survival mode. And they, you might have changed the routine, even for the better. You know, if you wake up one morning and you say, oh my gosh, we're going to go to a birthday party. And that was just an unplanned thing that maybe a friend sent you a message last night at 10 p.m. saying, hey, come to the birthday party tomorrow. And that really wasn't on your schedule. And you think, this is a great thing. It's, even this good thing can be overwhelming for your child. So just keep that in mind. So I'm going to finish up for today. I've kind of gone over what I consider my coffee break podcast limit. But next week, what I want to talk about is this question. Are you listening to your children? Maybe you don't even, you're like, no, I'm not listening to that one. Please do. It's super important. And I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on traumainformedparenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.